I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. I'm Julie Gould and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Welcome to our series all about mentoring. For this final episode of the seven-part series that I'm doing on mentoring, I wanted to find out how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed mentoring forever. The pandemic flipped many lives upside down and for the last two years, maybe a bit more, we didn't experience things the same, but we did experience the same thing. And mentoring has been a key part to helping us cope through all the challenges that we faced. Some people were at home, not able to continue their normal working routines in the lab or the office. Others were shifted to working on the front line and helping with the COVID-19 efforts. And sadly, some had to shift careers altogether. But whatever the situation that you were in, there was that added cognitive load that everybody had to deal with. So to figure out how mentoring relationships were shifted so that people could help each other through this difficult time and how mentoring has changed for the future, I spoke with Ruth Gautian, Assistant Professor of Education at Weill Cornell Medicine and Dr. Christine Fund, the director of the Centre for Improvement of Mentored Experiences in Research. Now, in all my interviews for this particular series about mentoring, I've always started the conversation by asking what mentoring is. And as I've learned over the weeks and months, mentoring is different for everybody. And this is no exception. So this chat starts with me asking Christine Fund, or Chris, what mentoring is. Well, that's a great question. And actually, I'm going to turn it a bit on its head and suggest that instead of the word mentoring, we might even use the word mentorship. And I'll tell you why. So um, there have been many, many definitions of mentoring, and they are across the gamut. And some of the recent work that I had the privilege of being part of included a report from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Math, and Medicine, sorry. Um, and that uh, group of folks that put that report together spent two years working and looking at the literature on mentoring and came up with a definition for what we termed mentorship. And the reason we moved from mentoring to mentorship is that mentoring puts all of the focus on the mentor. 
And we wanted to highlight that in any mentoring relationship, there are two people. Many times there's more mentoring networks as well, but even in a network, it's many dyadic relationships and that we wanted to elevate that. And so we define mentorship as a professional working alliance. And I love that term working alliance um, in which individuals work together over time to support each other's personal and professional growth. And they do that through two kind of really areas of support. One is career support and the other is psychosocial support. Ruth, have you got anything to add to that? Are you on the the mentorship camp as well, or are you still with the mentoring side of things? It's absolutely, it's really the the foundation of the mentoring is actually the relationship. And in any relationship, it really is bi-directional. And I think the true mentoring relationships, you often forget who is the mentor and who is the mentee because each one is learning and each one is teaching and each one is believing in the other more than they believe in themselves. And that can really come from anyone at any level in any industry. So if you were to ask me what my definition is, it's to find not just one, but a team of people who believe in you and your work and the opportunity and the impact it can have more than you believe in yourselves. And they help bring that to fruition. To find people who believe more in you than you believe in yourself. How do you do that? How do you find that sort of group of people? That must be quite difficult. Well, I think that's where the organic relationships are so pivotal, is that you need to find people who you connect with and you have this synergy with. And just think of who who your friends are right? Your friends are people who believe in you. So if your friends believe in you, your mentors certainly should. Because as Chris said, these are people who help you with your career and they help you with the psychosocial support, which is Dr. Kathy Cram's um, seminal work. So you need to find people who can do that. And trust me, everyone has, especially in science, there are isolating days. There are those days that nothing works. There are days you want to throw in the towel. And those are the days that your mentor can really, really help you because they help you put things in perspective. You, they show you that whatever challenge you're facing is only temporary. They put it in the context of the bigger picture and they believe in you so much that they help you strategize how to get out of the funk. Okay, so over the last year and a half, coming close to two years now, people have had a pretty tough time um, some worse than others it's been an unfortunate side effect of the COVID-19 pandemic and so support in many formats has been needed but has also been really difficult because of the lack of social contact and you know keeping friends family and colleagues at bay to keep everybody safe so how in your views has mentoring been affected by the pandemic and Ruth because of your answer just now I'm going to go to you first because you were so much about you know pulling people out of their their funk like maybe a lot <laughs> of people needed that um during the pandemic but it wasn't so readily available or it wasn't so obvious that people were in that position that they needed that help um so how do you think the pandemic really affected mentoring 
I think this was the time that the true mentoring that I think really thrived during the pandemic are the ones that were grounded in empathy, where they could really understand and relate to the cognitive load and the weight of what is happening to the mentee, the mentor, everyone around them, and how they're able to balance everything. Because every single person was impacted in some way. And when you can align on the empathy piece, I think, and, and understand that sometimes you need to shift that to-do list. And, and really at the beginning, I actually said, lower the expectations. This was not a time to actually work on your, your brilliant um, uh, grant, right? This was a time to just get through the hour, get through the day. And finding out the commonalities, which were deeply rooted in empathy was really, really the best way to do it. And frankly, the mentors who succeeded are the ones who showed that they are also facing hardship in some way. And those hardships can be different because maybe instead they, they have little children or maybe they're caring for adult parents or maybe all of a sudden they're homeschooling while trying to run the lab, while trying to publish, showing how they made the adjustments in their life, actually showed their vulnerability. They were able to lead by example and in essence, they gave their mentees permission to be vulnerable as well. They were leading by example. Chris, have you got anything to add to that? I think Ruth said it beautifully. And I think that for the relationships that were grounded in empathy and had allowed already space for vulnerability, as she said, they actually had a moment to thrive. And I would add that the relationship that didn't have that at their core or that those skills weren't practiced or there were mentors or mentees that didn't lean into that, it actually provided a really interesting opportunity for them to consider what it could be like if they did, even if it was risky. And because I think that the pandemic and the, you know, really heightened focus um, on racialized violence, it caused a moment that made us reflect and go back to the humanity of what is at the core of mentorship, which is human relationships. That it was about people, not just the work we were doing together. And we know from the research that mentoring relationships that really um, can solidify are grounded in what's known as deep similarities. But what those deep similarities are can be a range of things. You know, they can be a de demographic in nature. They can be lived experience. And we had a moment of shared deep similarity over the last almost two years. Um, we didn't experience things the same, but we were experiencing the same things. And that created an opportunity to say, to bring mentors and mentors together. And if they seize the opportunity, I actually think in a lot of relationships, it deepened them in a way that no one quite expected. And so I, I actually am really hopeful that, again, it isn't the lived experience of every mentor and mentee. There were certainly mentors and mentees that were so overwhelmed by what was going on, they couldn't put energy into their relationships. And that is totally understandable. But there were also relationships that found a whole nother way of being because of the shared experience. How do you build this sort of relationship with someone, that deep connection with them in order for you to be able to flourish and thrive and, and support each other, especially, you know, should another pandemic be around the corner? Chris, you go first. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so I mean, I think that at the heart of any relationship and mentoring relationships are no different is trust and understanding and as we said, empathy. And so I think that in some cases, people were probably looking for new mentors in the current context if certain needs weren't being fulfilled. That actually, I think, was quite challenging because I know even for myself, I was a little, I had to really think about taking on new mentees because I was so stretched in my own cognitive and emotional and professional work that I didn't want to say yes if I couldn't fulfill that. But I think in the existing relationships, what was really interesting is that even if it wasn't grounded in great trust or practice, there were things that opened up those opportunities to reset the baseline of the relationship. So for example, uh, we heard so many mentors and mentees say, because we were meeting over Zoom, it opened an opportunity for us to talk about what's happening in our home life in a way that had never happened before. And suddenly it was like, oh, I wasn't thinking about everything you had to navigate at home when I was asking you to do these 17 tasks. Let's talk about how you're managing that. And that wasn't just the mentee, that was the mentor. Those types of understanding of what people, who they are, what they value, what they navigate, they build the base of trust in the relationship. And that trusting base and that understanding, we know from lots of literature that has huge implications actually on things that are on the other end of the spectrum, which are career decision, productivity, satisfaction. Um, and so while they may seem like, wow, those are the really personal things, we know how deeply they are connected to motivation and to ultimate productivity. And of course, this is Ruth's area of focus. So I'll just hand it to her here because this is what she studies. Well, you're right. Uh, Chris, hit the nail on the head. People like to work with people who they know, like, and trust. And they don't need to be like us. That is definitely one of the similarities. But I think a lot of us have these new internet friends that came up during the pandemic, people we've actually never met in person. But we've been on so many endless hours of Zooms with them that we feel like we know them. And I know of countless collaborations that have started from people who have never even met each other in person, including Chris and myself. Perfect example. It it really created that, that opportunity for people to connect at a different level. And when people know, like, and trust each other, and they tap into a shared intrinsic motivation, something that fuels them from the inside, even if it's not overlapping perfectly, but there is that shared experience there that just creates just these new beautiful partnerships of mentorships and and collaborations and and endless opportunities. Okay, so tell me about your own example then, uh, given that you have started a 
I assume you started a new collaboration during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020-2021. How did that go? How did it start? Like, how did you get all this together in such a weird time? It's actually a funny story. Um, <laughs> it is a funny story. I like, I like it's funny stories. A, it's rooted in a mistake that I made. And, <laughs> and, and nature, played, nature played a part, actually, in this matchmaking. <laughs> so early in the pandemic, right before it started, my dad was in the hospital and I was at his bedside 18 hours a day. And when things are so out of control, I need to be able to focus on something I can control. And writing to me is that outlet. And the pandemic started and the first COVID patients were brought in down the hall. And I knew immediately mentoring would have to shift. And at my dad's bedside at the hospital, I penned the article on mentoring during COVID. And that was the nature article that came early in the pandemic. I think it was published in April, 2020. And that article really sort of got a life on its own because it gave people a template for how to mentor during this, this new crazy time that we couldn't understand and wrap our heads around. So at the same time, but unbeknownst to myself and my uh, collaborators on a second article, we, because we work in mentorship and we work in mentorship interventions, we were getting inundated with emails saying, how do I mentor in the context of COVID? Can you create a talk or something on this? And the only thing out there was what Ruth had written, and I said, you should read this. And, and so we started working on an article that took much longer. It actually was finished around the same time because we wanted to get something out fast, but it took a long time to get it published. And so it was an article that said, listen, I, we know everyone's feeling panicked. Like you have to throw out everything you know about how mentorship works. You don't. The core actions and the core important elements of mentorship are the same, but use this as an opportunity to realign your relationships and reimagine them. And so we uh, had an article that was reassess, realign, and reimagine. And we basically took all we knew about mentorship and we basically said, just ask the questions differently in this context. But then we also raised up the need to really focus on the psychosocial elements of your relationship. You could not be a mentor or a mentee and go like, we're only going to focus on the work. It was so not genuine of what people were living. Um, and so to lean into that, even if it was a place of discomfort and why that's important. So of course, when we were writing the article, we wanted to reference the work that was out there on anybody who had written about mentoring relationships in COVID. And of course, Ruth was the one. We of course referenced her article. And in doing so, despite all of our editing, I misspelled her name in the reference section. And so Ruth reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, thank you for acknowledging our work. And hey, by the way, <laughs> spelled in the bibliography. And of course, I'm like horrified how it went through rounds of editing. No one caught it. Of course, they corrected it immediately online. And she said, but by the way, um, we've both written on this. She said, I've been watching your work. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been watching yours. She's like, we should do something together. And so we did. So what did you yeah. do? What have you been doing? 
So Go that ahead, was the Ruth. second nature paper. Yes, <laughs> I've got it up in front of me right now. And as you were saying the words reassess, realign, and then I was looking for the word reimagine, but that's not the next title. The next title is actually break goals down into chunks. So I was looking for that. So that's but really what, cool. One thing I want to tell you, Julie, yes, I, go ahead. I, thought, I thought five times before reaching out to Chris um, about the error, because I didn't want to highlight it. And I was such a fangirl of her work that I, I, you know, there was some trepidation. And then I was like, but my name is spelled wrong. I have to. <laughs> and yeah. then I said, you know, maybe, you know, one thing that the pandemic taught me is you know, there, there's a silver lining and everything. So I said, well, maybe we can actually get to chat and I'll get to chat with the great Chris Fund. So we did. And Amazing. then we saw that we had that alignment and that then led to that second nature article on, on um, mentoring, mentorship during year two of COVID, which is really mentorship during transitions. And then yeah. that article led to many other things as well so we, we have something brewing here nice I like it and I'm so glad to be a part of it because then I, my last question for you is mentoring in the future pandemics or no you know this could like part three of your series so what what is the future of mentoring gonna look like is you know how much of what you've already learned during the last two years is going to be carried forward how much of what we've previously done is going to be left behind and we're not going to do again I'm going to go to you first Chris and then Ruth you can add to that one afterwards I'm actually incredibly hopeful I think to Ruth's point about several linings I think that COVID-19 and the heightened racialized violence and the focus on that it broke some of the patterns in mentorship. It forced a reckoning of what, what are these relationships and what point are they serving and what are they not serving and where are they putting bounds around them that are actually limiting. And it forced everyone to kind of confront. Now, not everyone is there, but I don't think we can go back. I don't think you can go back now and say like, oh, well, now we're not in a pandemic wave. So let's not focus on the humanity and the relationship. We're never going back. And that's a good thing. It's going to take people learning the skills, finding new comfort, figuring out what their professional personal boundaries are, how to talk about that differently. But I am more hopeful about mentoring relationships now than I think I was two years ago. And it took something really big to shake it up at this scale. And as painful as it has been from loss of life to just mental health, to deep sadness, there is a silver lining here that made us look at relationships differently again. Ruth, what sort of changes do you see coming to mentoring over the few, over the next few years, over the next decades, when it comes to you know working within academia, but also outside of academia? What, what are the changes that you're gonna see? I actually see, and this is actually something that I noticed from the early days of the, the pandemic was that the communication tools that we are using have completely been altered. No longer do we have to meet in person. No longer do we need to align schedules that just don't ever align. No longer do they need to be synchronous, the mentoring in the conversations. They could, they could happen in other ways. They can happen in different parts of the world. 
So I think the pool of mentors has expanded exponentially because we can easily and comfortably look outside of our department, outside of our institution and outside of our industry. I also think for women in particular, this was a, an issue during the Me Too era, when especially when it started, how are men in senior roles supposed to mentor women and it becomes awkward and do you keep the door open? And when do you do it? And do you have meals? You don't have meals. That's off the table because you can have those mentoring conversations over Zoom. So it creates new opportunities for people who were too often marginalized. So Chris, I want to ask you then, based on, on what Ruth has just said, you know, the fact that there's a, a new infinite possibilities, infinite pool of people that you could have as, as mentors. How do you find the right mentor for you if that pool is just so much bigger? Like, where do you go? Like, I know there's LinkedIn, but you were talking mm -hmm. earlier in our conversations about these deep connections and trust that you build with people. And it's not so easy to build that connection in a digital way. Or maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'll take the second part of what you just said first is I actually agree with Ruth and I know this is not universal. So I will say, I actually think that folks, including myself, are coming around to understand that you can form deep connection in a virtual space. I think our younger generation have known that for a while. I think about my own adult children and some of their dearest friends, they have never met in person. Um, they are online every week with them. They share everything with them. They just have never shared a space with them outside the virtual realm. I think for folks, um, you know, I'll say of our generation, that seems unthinkable. I think COVID-19 forced us to consider it was possible and that they weren't just pulling our leg, that it actually could happen. So I do think it's possible. And then that opens up a world of opportunity. And I know not everyone is a believer in that. I know not everyone is comfortable. Don't be wrong. I am an extrovert and I love being in the same room with people and I miss it desperately, but I can't have deep relationships. I mean, I can't believe like, you know, Ruth and I didn't ever talk till a year ago. And now like, I feel like I could reach out at a moment's notice and say, hey, Ruth, can I talk to you? And we would have never even met. And we have yet so much to learn about each other, but what we've already connected on. So I think in the first part about the stance is I think for mentees in particular, if you see yourself in that role, whatever career stage you are, what is a bit daunting is about how to ask someone to be a mentor. And I just actually was giving a session a couple days ago and really tending to this. And I think that what we really want to encourage folks to do is to think about what they need. And then we have lots of ways to do that. So that the ask isn't, will you be my mentor? Which feels like, hey, will you be my everything? And it's more specific so that the ask can be, would you be willing to mentor me, for example, in some of my current career exploration as I decide what I want to do next? That ask is bounded. Now, it could turn out that you end up being in a relationship with that person for 10 years, but it doesn't have to be. It also can be a short mentorship engagement that is focused on a specific thing. Now, when you go in the world and you ask that and someone says, oh, I share your interest in that career path. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. 
So we're working a lot with helping folks, especially junior folks, not feel the daunting task, which is daunting to say, will you be my mentor? But to be more specific about the role they're asking someone to play, will you be help motivate me? Will you help pick me up off the ground when I feel like nothing's working? Will you help me write a paper? Those are concrete asks. And then mentors can lean into that space in a different way. So I think that that evolution of asking specifically changes the ask and it changes the bar. So people can go out and go, would anyone be willing to help me on this? Here's some things to know about me. And it's pretty amazing what people are willing to do if they know what they're agreeing to. Okay. If I agree with that, because um, you don't ask someone to be your friend, why would you ask somebody to be your mentor? You just ask them for their perspective on something, ask them for their help on something specific, and then you're usually going to get an agreeable answer. So yeah, maybe that's something to think about is, you know, how old were you the last time you said to someone, will you be my friend? Right. What you ask is like, would you like to take a walk? Can we have a phone call? Can we, so ease in and then you can start to use all the lenses to assess, is this someone that I want to work with in this capacity? We do a lot of mentoring for what? Yeah. It's not just mentoring, mentoring for what purpose? Um, we have to enter into relationships knowing what they're for. And I think this has been part of the challenge is that people entered into mentoring relationships with no defined roles. And so it then became expected to be everything and no single relationship can be everything. And then people got disappointed that it wasn't everything. And people got frustrated that certain roles weren't being served, but they never talked about it. And those are such fixable things in relationships. Ruth, any final thoughts from you before I close this? I think mentorship is something that's growing and evolving, just like the mentors and mentees are growing and evolving and the relationship grows and evolves with it. So I think being open to those changes and open to the transitions and aware that they will occur, I think will just strengthen that relationship. Chris, Ruth, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to both of you about mentoring the pandemic and the future and what is to come for mentoring. Um, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you both very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. A big thank you must go to all of those who I spoke to for this series. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.